walks into a room and yells, he's a boss. She walks into a room and talks passionately. She's a bitch. His career is important because he's the breadwinner. Her career is dispensable because she is the secondary earner. He has a family and is serious about his career. She has other priorities as she is a mother. Time and time again, we see that we are not equally free. But things are changing. You can feel it in the air. The winds of change blow wake-up calls in your ear. Now I tell you, we are finally awake and we no longer accept status quo. Now we march forward, our voice is no longer stifled and we demand our equal place under the sun, knowing fully well that the struggle has just begun. Because true freedom will exist only when we no longer have to recite this lament to our unborn daughters. Thank you for sharing this beautiful poem with us, Manini. Hello and welcome to all of our listeners. Today, we are talking about a very exciting topic, which is about the gender, wa- gender wage gap with our guest, Manini Priyan, who is a double master's postgraduate holder in strategic human resource management and change management with over eight plus years experience working in HR for various multinationals. Her most recent role is an HR business operations partner role working for an American oil company. And very interestingly, she is also a sci-fi author and a published poet. Uh, So how are you doing today, Manini? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Weba. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm I'm doing very well as well. And let's go back to your poem, Manini. Uh, Tell us what made you write this poem and, and share the story behind this. Yeah, sure. Uh, So I work for one of the biggest multinational corporates in the world. So I wrote this poem after a particular incident. I had just learned that I I got rejected for a salary increase that I was supposed to get. And I realized that my male colleague who handles less work than me was given more. When I had a discussion with the manager and the decision maker about uh, this, the reason given to me was that my male colleague had a family to support and he never got a salary increase in previous years. So I was refused and sidelined because of my gender. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so I want to understand a, a little bit more about the situation because, you know, there's so many factors involved when, when you're talking about raises, promotions and things like that. Uh, like an HR is supposed to take a lot of things into consideration before doing this. So, so would you say that you and this colleague you were competing with were, were at a very equal position with equal skills, uh, your education background, etc.? So we work for the exact same position. He's a HR business operations partner as well. Uh, but looking into other criteria like education and soft skills, compared to him, my education background is superior. Okay. Um, you know, when you, when you evaluate a performance of an employee, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be based uh, on criteria and supposed to be judged objectively. But the reality is very different because often these decisions are made very subjectively. And when you have male managers making these decisions, there's a huge impact of attitudes and stereotypes working against women. In this instance, I was compared to a male colleague and he was judged favorably because he has a family. And he's the main breadwinner and I happen to be a woman and I am always a secondary owner. This is the prevailing attitude. Mm -hmm. And see, this is something that I've encountered throughout my career in HR. 
I've realized that women's uh, and women employees' names are always the first to go on a termination list when you have to reduce headcount. And this is the same rationale that goes for the female employee. Okay, she has a husband to look after, to someone that will look after her, so she'll be fine. But for the guy, she he has to support his family, so if we let him go, what's going to happen to his family? So mm-hmm. I've been witness to this attitude throughout. And this incident that happened to me personally, it did not surprise me, but of course it made me frustrated because I was at the receiving end. And it's it's like getting stuck on a wheel of entrenched attitudes and beliefs that you can't seem to break. Mm-hmm. Uh, volume of work, good performance, always is considered secondary. First and foremost is always your gender. And second is your merit. So this is the wheel that we are constantly stuck on. Right. So So I understand what you're saying. And, and it, it's great that you are actually frustrated because, you know, women generally think from a, a societal perspective, you know, what is good for the overall uh, everybody. And, and a lot of women here would not be frustrated. They might actually think like, okay, you know, this guy does have his family to support. Maybe it's okay. I, I, I'm all right. You know, uh, my husband is a primary income earner. So, you know, a lot of women might think like that, but, but it's a very sacrificial attitude. And, and if we always think from this perspective, then we will never be equal. And, and the point of the matter is that we need to be frustrated by something like this because, because the standard to compete with each other is, that, uh, is, is our productivity and, and our quality of work. So if this guy is worried about supporting his family, then he should up his game. He should up his uh, quality of work, uh, his productivity, speak to his manager about what can he do to actually get the raise. At least this is how we are told that we need to do things, right? Yes, absolutely. Right. So, so always we are told to actually up our performance, but for, you know, for the men, always the standards seem to be very different. Right, and, and did you take this up with your management? I did not take this up because this is a culture that pervades the company starting from the top. Uh, And I do not have any avenues to express this and I know it would not go very far. Right. Right. So, so when I first spoke to you about this topic, I I was a bit skeptical myself because we do live in a first world country like UAE and uh, we, we, a lot of people over here work at MNCs who follow these global rules and policies. And you would think like something like this, is not very likely to happen over here. But then I I did a little bit of research and I found out uh, kind of the extent to which this is actually happening within, for instance, the WPP group of agencies. Uh, I work in one of the agencies, which which is owned by the WPP group, and they release reports every year on the gender wage gap in UK. And in 2020, the report showed that women were still earning 14.5% less than men. And, and I was a bit shocked to, to read that because if, if Western economies are finding it that much harder to eradicate this really stubborn wage gap, wage gap I can only imagine what is happening here. And, and in some industries like yours, right, oil and gas, mm-hmm. very male driven, it will be happening at a much higher rate while it might be lesser in, in, in other industries, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so, so let's go a little bit into why we are still um, talking about this because it's 2020 and, and, and this issue was first raised in 1960 when, mm-hmm. when the gender wage gap was 0.6 to every dollar a man earned. Now, 
we've been working for 60 years and we've shortened it so that in 2020 it's 82 cents for every dollar a man earns mm -hmm. and and a lot of people might go like you know okay it's just a couple of cents is that really a big deal but if you kind of look at the annual salary where a man is earning fifty thousand dollars at 82 cents a woman will earn forty one thousand dollars given the same amount of work and qualifications which is nine thousand dollars less and that matters right so so we still have yeah. a long way to go globally mm -hmm. but what's happening in uae is is i know that uae is is very big has been very big on women's empowerment they're putting laws and policies in place to kind of show this is what they're trying to do and they actually approved a law that makes the gender pay gap illegal right so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so is this something that is followed by companies here Right. So in UAE, we have, uh, you know, the structure is such that we have the private sector and the public sector. So the government here has implemented a lot of initiatives to address this pay gap. And they're implementing all these policies at such a, uh, you know, a fast pace than many of the other countries in the world. So the public sector, they're actually doing a lot of things to reduce this pay gap. But the mm -hmm. private sector has companies that operate as per their own policies and processes. So the issue here is enforcement. Right. So, you know, the policies for the private sector really varies from the public sector. Mm -hmm. and, 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 the, and the point is that no one is really regulating or looking into the private sector. Uh, we, we don't have any reports, any research happening where we can actually find out, you know, because this is a confidential thing. You're not normally going to just find out about your colleagues' salaries. In your company so so there's not much research available and and secondly you know like women in this part of the world are actually first generation of workers which which means that you know their mothers or 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 grandmothers they did not participate very actively in, in in the workforce and and we are at this point just happy to be able to you know be able to work and earn for ourselves so so this gender wage gap is not even something that is top of mind for us at this point we haven't even got gotten to that point right so right so i think what we want to do with this podcast is get people to be aware about this there need to be there needs to be more research done on this topic i mean the government has put the law in place but how many times is it actually implemented you know, uh, unless you release reports for everyone to see, it, this is not something that gets addressed. Um, and, and, and like what we want to do is get people to start questioning things, have a conversation about it, right? Now, this is a very um, feministic topic, right? And, and before we go into this, uh, especially because you faced this situation yourself, however, you are in HR as well, so you can give us your opinion. But we don't want people to feel like, you know, we've just taken this one incident and we are generalizing everything. And that's why we are going to have a lot of facts and data to back up everything that we're saying. And, and before we even go into that, we, we should talk about a little bit about where do we stand on feminism, right? You and I, because I am a feminist and, and mm -hmm. I know you are as well. Yes. But, but if feminist, feminism has gotten a very like bad rep, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, people kind of see it as a hate on man culture. And, and, and that is not truly what it is. 
because for me, it is about the patriarchy that I'm against and the system that kind right. of women and people of color behind by not treating them with like fair standards. So it is, and, and it could be both men and women who could be supporting patriarchy. And, and, and those are the people I have an issue with. Uh, and so where do you stand on this issue? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, feminism, the word, the movement has historically gotten a very bad reputation. But I must add that this was perverted by the media, which mm -hmm. I want to remind everyone is and was run to a large extent by men. Right. So, you know, so, so there's a whole sort of uh, politicized agenda behind why this movement has gotten such a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. Feminism is nothing but believing in the social, economic, political equality, equality of both genders. And equality is the word to focus here because it's not about hating men, but rather raising questions about the system of patriarchy that not mm -hmm. only treats women unfairly, but also of people of color and other disadvantaged classes. Right. So that's what I think we should really focus on here. It's the equality bit. Yeah. And, and if you look at, you know, the stats as well, right? It came to me also as a, as a shocking thing that there are only eight countries in the world which offer full legal protections to women. That is exactly equal to men, right? According to mm -hmm. this report, Women, Business and the Law, which was released in 2020 and published by the World Bank. And, and all of those countries are like European, Western countries like Belgium, France, Denmark, Latvia, Luxembourg, Sweden, Canada, and Iceland. And, and, and you don't even see countries like the US or, or the UK coming up. I, I think UK was close, close behind mm -hmm. uh, on, in the list. But, but yeah, US was at a much lower level. So, so yes, we still have to talk about it. Uh, we still have to reduce the gender wage gap. So, so let's start with uh, doing some myth busting. Like, does this gap really exist? And mm -hmm. if you see like some of the things that have happened, right? You, you, you realize that it does exist. Like women are still underrepresented in high paying jobs and leadership roles, right? According to catalyst.org in 2019, the proportion of women in senior management roles globally was at 29%. It's the highest number that's ever been recorded. And, and you know, we still have a long way to go there. Mm -hmm. And when you look at uh, the number of women this, and, and the reason this is shocking is because uh, in 2020, 56% like of women in U.S. graduated with bachelors. So, so the ratio is, is kind of now leaning towards women. And in UAE, this number is 70%. You know? So 70% of university graduates in UAE are actually women. So if, if we have the qualifications, I mean, there's not just education. I know there are other skills as well that we need to add. But this is, this is a start. We've, we've, we are building our foundation here, right? So, so that is one thing where we know that this, the gap actually exists. And, and, and secondly, there's been a lot of high profile cases as well. If you look at an example or an industry like Hollywood, right? Where according to The Guardian, female co-stars were paid 56% less than their male co-stars, which was $2.2 million less per film 
And this data is controlling, stripping out, you know, various factors like the Oscars or the award, number of awards they've won, the popularity on Twitter and etc. And we also know that well-known actresses like Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lawrence, Amy Adams have also spoken about spoken up about this. So, so this isn't a myth, you know, it exists. And, yes. uh, and, and to go a little bit deeper into how things exactly work in this market, tell me how is the pay calculated for men and women or, or for any employee in general? Right. So when a person is first hired, so the salary uh, offered is often on a range. So mm -hmm. there's a minimum uh, salary, there's a medium salary, and then there's a maximum salary that can be offered for that particular position. Right. So what I've observed in my career is that often women are hired on the lower end of that pay scale. So and this is a reality. So, so why, why, why is that happening? Why are women getting the lower range on the scale? I mean, the reasons for this is, as we discussed before, the prevailing attitudes that, you know, women are the secondary earner. Uh, mm -hmm. And the career would always be secondary to that of the family. And again, I, I want to reiterate that these hiring decisions are made by men. So it's a circle that, you know, constantly women find themselves being part of and they can't seem to break out. Because mm -hmm. even as she progresses in her career and she gets those growth opportunities, it will be a challenge for her to close that pay gap because mm -hmm. it started right from the beginning of her career. Right. Right. So... And, and this is also something that leads to the motherhood penalty and the fatherhood bonus. Tell us a little bit about that. So the motherhood penalty is basically where the attitude is that the woman is going to be less competent. She's going to be less committed. And as a result, she is not chosen for growth opportunities in the company. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, not give her the important projects. Let's uh, not give her too much of workload. You know, the attitude is that she will be less committed and her family will come right. first. So right. this is the first step that right. a woman will take. You know, she, her career will actually start to slide from that point. And, and, and this works the opposite for men. So becoming a father is actually in their favor. And, and there is this thing called the fatherhood bonus, right? Where, where they feel that because one, uh, a guy becomes a father, he, he's signaling that he has a greater work commitment, more stability, more deservingness. And that's why their pay would actually increase, whereas a mother's would, would decrease. And and this was, uh, uh, according to a Forbes article as well, 72% of both working moms and dads agreed that women are penalized in their careers for starting families while, while men are not. And, and to add to that, right, as I mentioned, uh, this article in BBC stated that their Office for National Statistics in UK found pay differences were much smaller at younger ages, but increased from 40 onwards, reaching a peak between 50 and 19, 50 and 59. And, mm -hmm. and I feel like this also comes out of this disproportional amount of domestic and caregiving work that is being done by mothers, right? Um, like the difference, uh, the difference between the maternity and paternity leaves itself kind of tells you that, that fathers actually don't get to bond with their children because they're expected to be back at work like in like five to seven days after their child is born. And, and this is very, very weird, which kind of then uh, puts all of the burden 
to on a mother's head right so yeah. so yeah. so so this is actually not giving the men an opportunity to kind of play an equal role in in raising their children and and taking care of their household duties so so there is a lot of unpaid work also that is being done by the mother which kind of allows the men to give more time and focus to their work because they are not uh, they're not boggled down by bogged down by all of these other external duties which a mother is taking care of while taking care of her career as well i mean the idea is that you know looking after a child or a baby is a mother's responsibility exactly. so even if the father wants to get an extra couple of days for that responsibility the attitude that he would face is uh, did you give birth or your wife gave birth so yeah. she's there to look after the child so this is the reality of the situation right you know right and and even if you look at for instance a, a lot of people consider men as the primary earners for families uh, i mean now in 2020 it's shown that 40% of households have women as the main breadwinner and if you look at the co-breadwinners uh, uh, co-contributors to the household's expenses uh, this number would be even higher so women are actually contributing to the needs of the household so it doesn't mean that her career would be considered secondary as well i mean both men and women should get equal opportunity to bond with their children so they are actually involved in the duties that come after right so what does the law in uae state about the maternity and paternity leaves yeah so here women get maternity leave of up to 45 days which is paid leave right which they can com- combine it with annual leave of a month which takes it about to 90 days right and uh, for paternity leave here earlier they did not require men to be given paternity leave but actually uh, in the last week this policy has been changed so it's very very recent change that right. they can get now from 5 days within the first 6 months of the child's birth wow wow so so 5 days 5 days and and, and it's mandatory and that so people should be given that yeah right okay it's not a lot Okay, it's not a lot when you compare to other countries, which which are much much advanced Scandinavian countries, you know, like Norway or Sweden. But but is it possible for a man also to combine this with their annual leave? Like, no, it's then not. Then they can get thirty five days. No, it's not. It's it's not allowed as well. It's not allowed. Uh, I mean, again, see a lot of these things. It's based on the discretion of the company. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if your if your manager is in agreement and he understands your situation, fine. But right. otherwise, it is very difficult. I must say this: it's very difficult for a man to go and ask for thirty, thirty-five days because his child is born. Mm-hmm. Uh, you right. know, ask that, uh, ask that leave for that reason because right. often he would be asked, uh, "Why? Why do you have right. to take this much leave?" So this is the the situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. and and how has the crisis the covid crisis affected women in the workplace are are they more affected than men unfortunately yes women are often the first ones to be reflexively laid off so in march 2020 alone over 60% of the eliminated jobs belonged to women this is based mm-hmm. on some recent statistic that i read and especially now during the covid 19 crisis the caregiving burden is fall is falling on the women Right. especially after the closure of schools and daycares and nurseries many mothers find themselves juggling work and childcare responsibilities 
even in the post pandemic world what they've said is that the recovery is predicted to be more painful for women because right. women typically spend more time looking for jobs and the jobs that they find generally pay less so we're coming back to the original point right you know, and, and 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 this is very interesting because because my research showed me that women actually increase the productivity and the growth of a company so in 2019 there was a study conducted by the S&P market intelligence which looked at records over the past 17 years in which they considered 5800 new ceo cfo appointments out of which only 578 which is even less than 10% were women They found that companies that appoint that appointed more women CEO CFOs were more profitable and produced better stock price performance than companies that appointed men in those roles, and 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 I wanted to understand like what could be the reason for this, you know, and and the research stated that this could be because women are generally held to a much higher standard than men in those roles. I mean, we all feel that pressure, you know, that we have to prove ourselves. much more and much harder than than our male colleagues for instance and if you look at this another way i mean if you just flip the perspective it is just that a lot of men that are hired in these roles are not as qualified as women and according to Karen Rubin who is the director of product for Quantopian which is a crowdsourced algorithmic trading platform and someone who's conducted a similar study said that so few women get into these positions that those who do are rock stars i mean if currently only about 25% of women are in the c level roles we we don't maybe have enough sample size i mean if we had something that would be comparable to men we would have a much better reading on, on why this is happening what exactly is going on here right mm-hmm. but uh but it is interesting also that and, and why this happens right why why should we actually have women in, in the company because they do add a level of diversity to organizations and a 2019 report by mckinsey showed that uh they they impact on on the productivity and the growth increases because of the skills they add uh different perspectives actually spark creativity and innovation in organizations there's also enhanced enhanced collaboration between teams and it's it's also like a better reflection of the customers needs and wants because in 2018 women spent up to 40 trillion usd and that is a buying power so you cannot sell to women without uh, without having somebody who actually understands them right in your organization mm-hmm. and and right. not just that research has actually shown that you know this is actually good H- hiring more women is actually good globally for the gdp as well um right adding more women to the workforce uh, our global gdp could actually go up by 26% and and that's huge um carolina gedulik uh, who is the executive vp of public affairs from snp global she said that and i quote i think one of the biggest misconceptions about gender equality is that it only benefits women but the data shows it's not true in court so so you have people thinking that oh women are talking about this only because it's beneficial for them but actually it's beneficial for the whole economy the countries and this is true globally 
right? And if you talk about what happened during the pandemic, right? Uh, a study of 194 countries by Supriya Gariki Pati of the University of Liverpool and Uma Kumpam Pati of the University of Reading found that being female-led has provided countries with an advantage in the current crisis and they have managed the pandemic much, much better than, than countries which had male leaders, right? Of, of course, we've seen that. I mean, the whole world has seen that. Uh, and right. we've witnessed it, how female leaders handled the crisis very differently from their male counterparts and, and how they actually succeeded. So how can governments and companies together solve this problem? Yeah, I, I think execution is the area that's severely lacking now. Because the first step to address any issue is the awareness and mm -hmm. awareness has been raised. Mm -hmm. And uh, to a large extent, awareness has been raised in Western economies. So they do realize that you know, uh, equal pay and diversity in general is going to be good for the company overall. But execution is the area that they severely lack and execution right. in a meaningful way that has actually an impact, not just on paper, because many mm -hmm. of these companies have diversity targets on paper, but it's not executed. Right. And that is the area that we really need to focus our energies on. Um, and I would say that if you're a woman and you're in a decision making capacity and you're an executive within a company, it's up to you to support other women to actually address this issue because if you're in that decision-making capacity, please support other women when it comes to uh, promotions and salary increases. Right. Because I'll tell you something, like when a company, when it comes to like women getting those growth opportunities, what they severely lack is sponsor. So someone mm -hmm. to say, you know what, why don't you give her that project? Why don't you give her that role? I think she'll be great in that leadership opportunity. And that's what women lack because men have sponsors you know they support each other but a man will not necessarily sponsor another woman for that particular leadership opportunity and this is the gap that we need to address yeah i mean i mean i don't think like it, it's obviously not something that that a man would do on purpose right it, it, it might be a lot of unconscious biases it, it could just be the fact that you know, like you have your big boys club maybe at the top and it, it kind of just so happens that, you know, they connect maybe much better with them. Yeah. And, and so it, it might not still be on purpose, but, but yes, this unconscious biases also need to be tackled, right? With, with trainings. Uh, so, so they can see like, they can learn how to kind of evaluate in a more positive light, both men and women and not to ignore the women when looking for any leadership opportunities right for women because also during my research i found a lot of statements like like you know like men work more hours you know because and and we discussed that's because women actually have a, a a higher burden of domestic duties that they have to fulfill which kind of gives men the opportunity to give their work more hours and, and they, they say that men are better negotiators, women just don't negotiate. And again, that is not true. Uh, we, research has shown that women, even after women ask, they've, they've not been given like a, a raise or an equal pay uh, in certain jobs. And, and they also say something like women work more lower paying jobs, you know, like, yes, there's a, a, there's a much more disproportionate amount of women in jobs like caregiving or childcare, uh, teachers and, you know, such roles. But again, even if you remove all of these factors, there is still a difference between the, the wages. And uh, 
and and another important thing obviously as you mentioned is right uh, that companies establish gender diversity goals and and government kind of makes it mandatory to release these reports on a yearly basis because only if you have a goal will this become measurable right and at this yes. point uh, like a, in uk they do have a law like this which is why they are releasing these reports on a yearly basis but in other countries you don't have uh, such a law companies are not um, expected to release uh, any information regarding salaries you know so i think that yes, needs absolutely. to happen that needs to happen that if you ask because you should get information uh, on your colleagues salaries and uh, i think i think what needs to happen more is that we do need men also to kind of fight this fight for us right because research has shown that you know when women are paid better salaries the average salary for that whole industry goes up you know which actually serves both and and this and the opposite works as well so if women are paid less the industry's average salary goes down which which doesn't help men either and and if once we kind of tackle these basic uh, uh foundational issues that we have you can we can look into like what a future looks like when workplaces and policies are designed with both men and women in mind we might see more of like flexible working opportunities uh which has which the covid crisis has actually accelerated uh which allows both men and women to equally invest in taking care of children and other household duties um there would be better paternity leave laws for men as well and, and more workplaces would have things like sanitary pads or daycare which allows you know which makes it makes the workplace more welcoming for women in general and with that we wrap this episode thank you so much manini for coming to the show and bringing this issue to light it was a super enlightening experience for me i hope it was the same for you thank you so much for having me weba and it's been an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you great and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in if you have any stories or poems or any social issues that you would like to raise awareness about please reach out to us on our instagram uh, on our handle at unnumbed u n n u m b d and thank you and bye bye